that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Who has not heard of the secret rapture, the rapture of the saints? Well, if you've been in church very long at all, you've heard of this concept. And uh, there was a whole series out there entitled Left Behind, I think a whole series of books, maybe a whole series of movies on this very subject of the rapture taking place and what's left behind are the ones that didn't make it, the ones that thought they were Christians but were not and they were left behind. In case of the rapture, this vehicle will be unoccupied. You ever seen that one? Uh, I think I've heard of it or saw it somewhere, I'm not sure, but sort of a funny concept, you know, that you know, the whole airplane or whatever, and the pilot gets raptured away and all the people die on the plane. Weird concept, but anyway. And I don't know if it's just me, but sometimes I detect a little bit of arrogancy about people that believe in the secret rapture. You know, it's like, hey, you've been left behind, but not me. You know, it's sort of like my dog is bigger than your dog. Well, I, you know, something like that, but you know, I detect sometimes a little bit of arrogancy about this subject. Now, you do understand, don't you, that the word rapture is nowhere to be found in your Bible. Sort of like the word trinity. The word trinity is nowhere to be found in your Bible. There's, there's a lot of concepts in the Bible that you simply cannot find. Uh, a lot of Christian teaching that you simply can't find in your Bible because it's not there. Well, the rapture is one of these concepts. And uh, basically, the rapture and the, and the Trinity both are concepts. They are the concoction of human thought. One, the Trinity, as men speculate and try to explain who and what is God, they've come up with this almost unbelievable, uh, completely incomprehensible teaching about the Trinity that no one can get or understand. And the rapture, of course, it's born out of fear and the desire for escapism, but it's another human, uh, uh, because of the human emotion fear, it's a concocted idea of God's going to rapture away the Christians and they're going to escape the great tribulation. Now, again, the, the idea is built on escapism. And of course, you know, it, it, I can understand that. I mean, if you read the prophets, the prophecies, the Old Testament prophets, what they say about what's coming upon good old Uncle Sam, what's coming upon our nation, it's bad. It's not good. And anybody in their right mind, I don't think, would want to endure the Great Tribulation. And I understand that. So, first of all, you have this idea that's based on escapism. And that escapism is born out of a human emotion called fear. We fear these things and we want a way of escape and we hope God will just whisk us away from the great tribulation. Well, is that in your Bible is the question. Now, here's the thing. Anytime you're studying the Bible, you want to ask what is the pattern of the entire Bible on this subject? What kind of pattern can we identify in the Bible when it comes to people going through bad things. Does the Bible promise, here's the question, does the Bible promise escapism or protection from 
trials and tribulation? Does the Bible promise escapism, or does God say, no, you're not going to escape it, but I will protect you from trials and tribulation? Did, let me ask it this way. Did Daniel escape the lion's den? Well, no, he didn't. He had to go right through. The, he had to go into the tribulation. But he was protected from it. There's the difference. He was protected. Did the three Hebrew, Hebrew children who were thrown into the fiery furnace, did they escape the fiery furnace? Well, no. No, they didn't escape it at all. They had their moment of tribulation. They had to walk into, or I think they were thrown into, this fiery furnace. But they were protected from the fire. You see, that's the difference. So, that's the question we have to, and, and this pattern, what I'm talking about here, this pattern repeats itself throughout the pages of the Bible. Not escapism, but divine grace and protection right where you're at. No matter where you're at, divine grace and protection. That's the pattern that we find in the Bible, not escapism. Did you know that the Bible says this in Acts 14 and verse 22? It says, confirming the souls of the, of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Notice that. The Bible says that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Tribulation seems to be, and trials, trials, tribulation, seems to be a way of life for the Christian. Why is that? Well, because it's the very thing that builds godly character within a man or a woman. I mean, let's face reality. Most people don't need God when th times are good. It's only in the tribulation that we begin to get serious about our relationship with God and begin to question some things about ourselves, then we really begin to develop what God is looking for, and that is the character that is needed to enter the kingdom of God. So we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Now here's the warning. For all you who believe in the rapture, don't build your, there's a danger here, don't build your faith on doctrines that have the potential of destroying your faith. Let me repeat that. Don't build your faith on doctrines that, can, that have the potential of destroying your faith. What do I mean by that? Well, just think back to uh, just recently, I think it was, what was May 21st? Uh, it was called Judgment Day, and this guy went out and, and spent millions of dollars on billboard signs saying the uh, Christ was going to return May 21st, Judgment Day. You probably remember that. Well, it didn't happen. Now, I could have told you it wasn't going to happen, but who's listening to me? But anyway, but did you know that there are people that sold their property preparing for this day? There are people that gave their money to this false prophet. How do I know he's a pro false prophet? Well, because what he said didn't come to, come to pass. That's how you know. Uh, and did you know that there were atheists, I heard about an atheist who had a business taking care of pets of the Christians because the pets don't get raptured, right? And so he was, since he wasn't going to, he was going to be left behind anyway, but he was going to take care of the pets, the Christians' pets on earth, and this guy made a ton of money off these <laughs> gullible people. And, uh, you know, and, and 
my question is this. What did it do to their, to their faith when it didn't occur, when Judgment Day didn't occur? Well, you know as well as I do that some of them probably just thought, well, man, this whole religious thing must just be a, a hoax anyway. You know, did, did people, here's the question, did people give up on their faith? This is what I mean uh, by the statement that don't build your faith on doctrines that have the potential of destroying your faith. Now, let's, let's say you're a Christian. Okay, maybe you are a Christian. And all of a sudden, you realize you're living on this earth and you realize that you're, you are in the middle of what the Bible calls the Great Tribulation. It's obvious. War, disaster, tribulation all around you. And all of a sudden, you wake up to the fact that you have not been raptured. What do you think that would do to you? Would you think, well, I was left behind. Evidently, I was a baloney Christian, you know, <laughs> a false Christian. What would that do to your, this is what I mean. I'm asking what would that do to your faith? All right, this is what I mean by don't build your faith on doctrines that have the potential of destroying your faith. Which is easier, by the way, to believe in the secret rapture or believe that God can protect you right where you're at. You have a choice to make. You can build your faith on a doctrine that has the potential of destroying your faith, or you can clearly understand that God can keep you safe. God has the power to protect you right where you're at. In Psalms 91 and verse 5, a powerful scripture, it says this, it says, you shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. Okay, in modern terminology, it would say, don't be afraid of the bullets, the bombs, the tanks, the nuclear warfare. This is talking about war. And war is ugly. And it says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. God is bigger than all of the mess that's going on down here on planet Earth. Continuing on in verse 6, Psalms 91 and verse 6, it says, Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday, what are we talking about here? We're talking about disease epidemics, where people's bodies are wasting away from sickness and decay, from war, from, from uh, all kinds of sickness and disease. But let's notice the next scripture of the power of God. In Psalms 91 and verse 7, A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh to thee. This, this, you know, the imagery of this, of a lone person, one man, one woman, standing among chaos and confusion, with death and sickness and disease epidemic and war and people dying, a thousand on your left, ten thousand on your right, corpses on the ground, and no plague shall come nigh to you. That's powerful. That tells you God has the ability to keep you safe, to protect you right where you're at. Listen to me. God does not, he doesn't need a secret rapture to keep you safe. 
You need to look at the pattern of the Bible. How does God work? Is it escapism or is it protecting you right where you're at? The answer is it's protecting you right where you're at. Now, like I said, God doesn't need a rapture to keep you safe, but there is a condition here. That is that you have entered. The condition of God keeping you safe is this. is based on that you have entered into a covenant with him. What does that mean? Well, it means this. All that the Lord has said, we will do. It's sort of like a marriage covenant. There's things expected of you when you enter into a marriage covenant. You know, you're expected to be faithful to your wife. You're expected to, be, to provide for your family. There are things that God expects from you when you enter into a covenant with him. Look, we need to drop our religion that requires nothing from you. You need to drop your religion that requires nothing from you and enter into a covenant that requires unconditional surrender. Yes, unconditional surrender, where you surrender your will to God's will. Now, there came a day when the disciples asked Jesus specifically about the time of the end. And they said they wanted to know about the sign of his coming and the end of the world. Now, the end of that, that little verse there is, you know, end of the world. The world is not going to end. You do know that, don't you? It means the end of the age. Age of what? Well, the age of man's rule. The age of man's government. Man, you know, rule his governing, his concept of trying to get things right, void of the Holy Spirit. That age of man's rule is coming to an end. And what's going to replace it is the rule of God, the kingdom of God. Well, they asked him. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, tell us, how's it going to happen? How's it going to play out? And this is what he said. What's the sequence of events that's going to occur? Now, these, these scriptures we're going to go through is directly out of the mouth of your Savior. Let's follow through these three verses here. Matthew, first one, Matthew 24 and verse 20, 29 Matthew 24 and verse 29 says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Okay, what's the first point? Notice the time setting. He said, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Okay, what's going to occur? after the tribulation. Let's continue on. Next verse. Verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Okay? Let's notice this. The time setting. What are we talking about? He says, immediately after the tribulation... After the tribulation, you're going to look up and you're going to see Jesus returning. Okay, let's notice the next verse. The, what happens after Christ returns? And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, question. Did Jesus forget to mention the rapture? Well, evidently he did. But you have three events right here. Notice them. Never forget these three words here, these sequence of events. You have the tribulation. 
the return of Christ, and the resurrection. Let's, let's put them up here. Tribulation, return of Christ, resurrection. Tribulation, return of Christ, resurrection. You see, the, the disciples didn't say, well, Lord, we, we don't want to go through the tribulation. We need a rapture. They didn't say that. Jesus didn't teach the rapture, is what I'm trying to say. Trip after the tribulation, get this, after the tribulation, you have the return of Christ and the resurrection in that event, in that sequence of events. Now, are there Christians on earth during the tribulation? Well, of course. Who hasn't heard of the two witnesses? The two witnesses, they actually witnessed during the tribulation for three and a half years. In fact, they are right there on the earth, the two witnesses who are witnessing to the power of God and the last cry out of to repent, to turn from one's sin. That's their witness. That's what they're saying. And they live up right unto the return of Jesus Christ. Now, why are they not raptured away? Here are two people, two godly people, and they're not raptured away. Why? Then you have in, in uh, Revelation 7 and verse 14, you have this verse. These are they which came out of, speaking of Christians, great tribulation have, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Notice, here, here are a group of people, Christians, who came out of great tribulation. What does that mean? Well, what does it mean if I say the car just came out of the tunnel? Where has the car been? Well, it just went through the tunnel. And it's coming out the other end of the tunnel. So, these are Christians who have come out of great tribulation. They have endured great tribulation. Yes, there are Christians on the earth at, uh, at the end time, during the tribulation. Now, I want to show you something here that I think can clear up a lot of confusion about uh, the end time and the, this concept of a rapture. This block, this cubicle block here, is first of all you have in the book of Revelation, you have seven seals. Then you have seven trumpets, which leads, culminates with the seventh trump. Now the seventh trump is what? Guess what that is? It is the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Then after the return of Christ, you have seven vials that are poured out on mankind. In other words, after Christ returns, life goes on on planet Earth with the seven vials that is depicted as the wrath of God. And if you know anything about your Bible, you know that we, that true Christians are not appointed unto wrath. We are not to suffer the wrath of God. But by this time, the resurrection has already taken place. The return of Christ has come and the saints are resurrected and then life on this earth goes on with this pouring out of the seven last vials of God which is referred to as the wrath of God. So I guess looking at this cubicle here, I guess if you wanted to look at the seventh trump which is the return of Christ and the resurrection, I guess you could look at that sort of like a rapture or something but it's really not. It's just the resurrection from the dead. But uh, 
and, and, and the Christians meet Christ in the air. I guess you could look at that as a rapture if you wanted to. But anyway, what does this verse mean to you in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, which says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangels, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Again, whose concept is the rapture of the saint? saints? Is it something that Jesus taught? No, it's not. The idea is born out of escapism, a desire to escape the great tribulation, and it is born out of a, a human emotion called fear. We don't want to have to go through something like this. And I understand that. In fact, I, some of the, I've listened to a lot of teaching on the rapture, and I admit it sounds good. I'm thinking, to myself, oh boy, I sure hope that happens. I don't want to go through this hell on earth that's coming with the great tribulation. But the problem, problem is, it's not what your Bible teaches, escapism. What your Bible teaches is that God can keep you safe right where you're at. None of us need to build our faith on doctrines that have the potential of destroying your faith. You know, we need to get over our fear and our desire to escape the great tribulation. Did you know your Bible says that the fearful shall have their part in the lake of fire? You know, if we are fearful and we're looking to an event where God is going to snatch us away, we need to really work on that fear and, and understand that God can protect you right where you're at. God can and will protect you, not only you, but you and your family right where you're at. As I said, God doesn't need a rapture to keep you safe, to protect you. Provided that you have entered into a covenant with Jesus Christ. What is that covenant? It's very simple. All that the Lord has said, we will do. It is unconditional surrender. Now listen, don't, don't play around with that word, unconditional. It is what God expects from you. You see, so many people, now, unconditional surrender, let me, let me, you know, in the military, the, they will tell you what part, literally what part of your body they own. Well, God is the same way. He owns not just one specific part. He owns all of you. That's what unconditional surrender is. But I think we'd like to play around with that. We'd, we'd like to think, well, you know, I, I would rather hear from my preacher that just tells me all I got to do is just give my heart, to, my hand to the preacher and my heart to the Lord and it's all been done for me and there's, you know, there's really nothing that God requires from me. Yes, there is something God requires from you. Unconditional surrender. Where you surrender. You see, all of our struggle is very simplistic. It is a clash of wills. That's what we struggle with. You have your will. God has his will. And what we struggle with is a clash of wills. It's not that we don't know. We know exactly what God expects from us. 
We just don't want to give up our wills. And that's the problem. And this is where unconditional surrender comes in at. The bottom line is this. You have a choice. We all have a choice. And you can build your faith on doctrines that has the potential of destroying your faith. Or you can trust God. Now, which one is it going to be for you? You know, you're going to place your hope in a rapture? What happens if it doesn't occur? What happens if there is no such thing as a rapture? What happens if Jesus did not teach that concept? In which he didn't. He didn't teach it. He taught immediately after the great tribulation, I'm going to return and I'm going to resurrect my saints. That's what he taught. You know, what we got to understand is this, that come hell or high water, God is always with you. No matter where you're at, yes, in the middle of great tribulation, God can keep you and your family safe. God is so big, God is so powerful that he doesn't need a rapture to escape, to allow you to escape from all the horrors that are going on down here on earth. And another concept is this that I've thought about. You know, when God really needs his people the most to give a witness, to give a warning, we're often somewhere else according to the rapture. That doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. No, God needs his people right when the going gets tough. This is where God needs his people to give a witness, to give a warning to this nation to repent, turn from your sins. That's the message that needs to be heard during this time called the tribulation. So, understand that yes, even in the middle of great tribulation, God is with you and God can keep you safe and that's what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount. 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.